our, our focus this year is a 2020 vision that we can see with 2020 vision clearly what God is doing. And we're inviting our city to come and see what God can do. As a part of this, we're, we're, we're gonna continue to pray for revival on Wednesdays. And I do wanna beg you to please be sure that you download each Sunday evening the week uh, prayer, the prayer focus for each day. And then know we're posting the daily one every day for us to be praying. This, this year, we're gonna be praying for an awakening. There, it's a, there's a difference between a revival and an awakening. A revival happens within a church. An awakening happens outside the church. What we're praying is for God to be at work. And so if you'll look in your bulletin on the top left portion, you'll see the awakening prayer. Pray that every day. And during our time of response, uh, after the sermon is completed, we have time. We will always want you, our membership, to come and pray for an awakening. Pray that specific prayer all week this week and ask God to do the work. And what we're understanding and what we're seeing in our scripture is that we're to join God in the work that he's doing. When we think about who we are and what we're about, uh, Living Hope says it this way, we're to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And I hope that you're gonna identify with this, that you do identify with this, that you say, yes, that's it, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But you also use it as, a, as, an, as a, an evaluation tool. Are you impacting your home, your neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus? And if not, why not? And what needs to change in your life in order for you to fulfill what God's word commands, what, what God wants us to do, how God wants us to join in what he's doing. Now to join in in what God's doing, we gotta see the need. If we don't look, if we're not willing to see the need, we're not gonna make sacrifices. We're, we're not gonna step into that gap. We're, we're not gonna live in obedience to God's word. We're, we're gonna do what our flesh wants. We're gonna do what's comfortable. We're, we're, we're gonna do what's easiest for us. But God has called us to maturity. He's called us to adulthood. He's called us to have a love that matters and makes a difference. And if you're gonna have that kind of love, that love that, that matters forever, for eternity, you're gonna to have to see the need. And today we wanna see the need in our neighbors. The text that we're going to, to look at, it's, it, it helps us understand how important this is and gives us a clear example of what it looks like to impact our neighbors. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Luke chapter 10 to a very familiar parable that begins in verse 25. Let's all stand together. Grayson's gonna read for us. This is Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. It is the parable of the good Samaritan. So Grayson, read that for us, would you? And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. 
Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated, thank you. Thank you, Grayson. Understand what our neighbors are looking for. Our neighbors, the people around you, everyone in this world, they're looking for real hope for real people in the real world. They're not looking for pseudo hope. They're not looking for fake hope. They're not looking for false hope. They're looking for a real hope that will last. And it's a hope that's for real people, not for pretend people, not, not, for, not for people that, that act like they've got it together. No, no, no. For real people who struggle in marriage, who struggle with children, who struggle with parents, who struggle with friends, who struggle at work, who have conflict and pain, who get sick and who suffer. Real hope for real people living in this real world that really is broken, that, that really is uh, just permeated with darkness and pain and, and so much evil and suffering. Friends, there is a real hope, and his name is Jesus. And it's for real people like us and the people that, that we drive past and live near and have meals with and, and, and talk to all the time. And, and we're all in this real world, this, this world that is filled with, with so much pain. And what they're not looking for is, is, is a person like this lawyer, Now, when we think lawyers, we typically think civil law, civic law. This is a law expert in terms of the Torah, in terms of the Old Testament law. So what what we're dealing with here is a religious scholar, and he's coming to Jesus to trap him and also to show off and hopefully to earn a little extra money by tagging on a few more of Jesus's followers so that he can up his tab. See, see what he wants to do is he wants to embarrass Jesus. He wants to make Jesus look bad so that he can look good. And so he will become the rabbi of this rabble who's rallied around him. And let's not forget, there were many wealthy uh, men and women who were following Jesus. There, there were resources that were providing for Jesus's ministry. And so when this man saw Jesus and he saw all that was happening, it was a real clear strategy. Take off the head and I can become the leader and then I can have all those resources and I can have all that acclaim. So he, he wants to take Jesus down. So he asks a very important question. He asks, how, how, do, I, how, do, I get, how do I get heaven? How, how do I get what only God can give? And I love Jesus's response. Jesus didn't talk to him about his past. He didn't try to give him therapy. He didn't didn't try to talk to him about what was going on in the world. Friends, Jesus pointed him to the only source of truth that we have as human beings, and that is the Bible. The only pure source of truth. He didn't ask about his feelings. Our culture today is telling us to to, to, to look to and and to have as as a base of understanding our feelings. Friends, hear me. Your feelings, they may be real, but they're not always right. Your feelings are deceptive. You've got to be so careful. You know, we're also living in a culture today where the academic elites, where the creative elites, they're the ones, we know the truth. You need just to trust us. We'll tell you what's right and wrong. 
I don't even have to make the case for how often they've been wrong. There is one source of absolute, inerrant, infallible truth, and it is the word of God. And so Jesus, having received this question, asked him, okay, what do you What do you know of the word of God? What does the word of God say? And it's interesting what he does. He quotes the word of God. He quotes the scripture that we studied last week to give an answer of what God expects. This is Deuteronomy chapter six, beginning in verse four. He quotes the Shema. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is the will of God. And and, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus says to him, you got it. Now, go and do it. But that wasn't enough because this man wasn't very honest. See, if he were an honest man, he would have said something like this. I can't. I can't love God the way he deserves to be loved. I can't love my neighbor because I I care more about me than I do the needs of other people. But he wasn't an honest man. And because he was dishonest with God, he could not receive from God what only God can give. See, God is so good to us. He has not abandoned us in our brokenness. God has has not just left us to try to figure it out on our own. God knows that, that we've blown it. But he's chosen rather than just to leave us hanging to step into our reality, to explain reality and to rescue us. Here's what we know. Here's what everybody in this room knows. This world is not as it should be. Why do you know that? Every time there's a conflict in your marriage, every time there's any kind of suffering and pain, any time you have difficulty with your children or with your parents or with your boss or or with your health, here's what you say to yourself, whether you're honest and say it out loud or not, is this is not right. This is not how it should be. Why do we all know that? Why do we all feel that? I'll tell you why, because we were made for perfection. When God created the world, he created everything in harmony. He made us to live, not die. He made us to have peace, not not conflict and chaos. So why do we? Well, because we've all sinned. Because we're now under the curse of the fall. But God did not abandon us there. Instead, he chose to enter into our world. And one day he's gonna come again. This is what the Bible teaches us. The Bible is a single story in four parts. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. It explains reality. It explains why the world is the way it is. But it also explains what God has come to do. God has come to give us new life. He has come to give us a new heart. He has come to give us his spirit. I love the promise of Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. We cannot on our own make things right with God. We cannot on our own heal what is broken in our hearts and minds and lives, but God can. In order to receive God's healing power, we have to give up on ourselves and we have to trust in Christ alone. In the last hour, there was a a young woman who was baptized and I had the opportunity 
to talk with her just this last week. And, and she came to the realization, I'm trying to fix me. I can't fix me. I can't fix what's broken. But, but God in his love and his power, he will forgive me and he can give me a new life. And she was so excited today. She did not want to wait, not another Sunday before she was baptized. She was baptized this Sunday, the first Sunday after her uh, acknowledgement of her salvation of Jesus Christ, because she wanted to picture my old life is gone, I'm dead. I've been washed and I've been raised to walk in a new life. That's what happens when you trust Jesus Christ. But in order to trust Jesus, the first thing you gotta do is repent. See, here's what we know. We've all sinned and created brokenness and other people have sinned and caused brokenness in our own life. And, and if we're gonna try to fix it on our own, let me just go ahead and give you a heads up, spoiler alert, you're just gonna make things worse because your sin is gonna be added onto the brokenness and you're gonna cause more pain. Here's what God calls us to. Stop trying to figure it out on our own. Repent of, of, of our own self-sufficiency and instead believe in who God is in Jesus Christ. Believe that he's paid the penalty. Believe that he loves you. Believe that he wants what is best for you and pursue and recover God's design through obedience to his word. As you love God, as you love your neighbor, as yourself, that can only happen when you trust in Jesus. Well, this guy didn't wanna trust in Jesus. He didn't want to receive justification by grace through faith in Christ alone. Instead, the scripture says he wanted to justify himself. And so to justify himself, he says, okay, well, theoretically here, Jesus, uh, who's my neighbor? And I love Jesus's response. He gets right to the heart of the matter. He doesn't, he doesn't dive into a philosophy of care. He doesn't deal with some kind of, of maybe or uh, happen chance or wouldn't it be great if. He gets right into what is supposed to happen by sharing a very simple story. He shows the hope that we can have. He shows the power of God's love. He shows what God and only God can do. He shows how God can take what is evil and use it to accomplish his purpose. He shows how he can take suffering and use it to accomplish good. If you ever have a question about the problem of evil, if you ever wonder, can I really trust this God who, al who would allow this pain, who would, who would allow me to suffer this way? Friends, all you need to do is look at the cross of Jesus Christ. He chose the cross and he used that evil and that pain for the eternal and perfect good to bring about our salvation. Whatever pain we face, whatever struggle we have to endure, here's what we can know, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, there's a plan for it. There's a place for it. And he's gonna use that to bring about his perfect good. And his good is to bring a blessing, not only to our lives, but through our lives. See, one of the greatest blessings, maybe the greatest blessing, is to be a blessing. Is to know what God can do, to experience it, and then to share it with other people. And that's what our neighbors are looking for. That's what our world is looking for. That's what your boss is looking for. It's what your kids are looking for. It's what your parents, it's what your, the, the kids you go to school with. That's, that's what everyone's looking for. Can they find it in you? Can they really see it? Let me tell you, there, there's three things they need to see that we can see in our parable today. And I wanna challenge you to take notes and give consideration of whether or not that's actually in you or not. See, our neighbors need to see our hope and first of all, how we give empathy to them. How we empathize. How we appreciate their pain. This man who had 
figuratively gone down to Jericho from Jerusalem. The people hearing the story would have said, oh, that's a dangerous road. People get hit there all the time. That's, that's not a safe place. And, and it wouldn't be unusual to see a man left for half dead. I, I, I can tell you if, if there's anything that we at Living Hope can do is that we can empathize with people who've blown it, who've been hurt, and, and who need the healing power of Jesus Christ because this room is filled with those stories. One of the things I love most about Living Hope are the stories of God's people here. And I love the heart of our people because there are so many, just like this last week, I had the opportunity to talk with two, two or three of our families and, and, and they said the same thing in, in, in a different way, but basically the same thing. I know God's gonna see me through this and I know one day I'm gonna be able to help someone else who goes through this pain to trust in Jesus because I'm gonna trust in Jesus as I go through this. As a matter of fact, in the last service, one of my heroes of the faith that comes to our church and confessed to me, said, Pastor, he said, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. I said, brother, what's wrong? He said, I, I've had doubts. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I, I, I just, I just, you know, I've always, I've always told everyone, Jesus is going to take care of me. I don't have any reason to fear. He said, this week I've had a little fear and I hugged him and I said, thank God you're still human. I said, you just encouraged your pastor who deals with fear and, and, and all these other things because the world is not as it should be. In this broken world, we have to live by faith. You know what the real world needs is a real hope. And that real hope comes in a real life where there is fear, where there is turmoil, where there is pain, where there is conflict. It, 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 there are no perfect people, but there is a perfect hope. And that real hope really does give real hope to real people in the real world. And you know what our neighbors are looking for? They're looking for the real stuff. They're not looking for this, this fake stuff that this, this lawyer was bringing to the table. They're looking for people who can say, hey, I get where you're at. I, I know what it feels like to, to be left on the side of the road with nobody caring about you, just wondering if you're gonna just, if it's just gonna die, if just this, this relationship's gonna die, this, this, this hope I, is gonna die. I get it. We gotta empathize with people where they are. And then, then look, we gotta give something. We gotta give one of the most sacred things that we can give, and that's time. We gotta give time. Now, let me first say that, look, some of you are this person on the side of the road. You've been punched, you're hurting. Let me tell you, the worst thing you can do is act like you're fine. The best thing you can do is be honest and say, look, I'm hurting, I, I need help. And, and if that's where you are today, Look, look on, the, look on your bulletin, look on the bottom, uh, back bottom section. There's a website, it's called livinghopecares.org. Go on there. If you need to talk to a counselor, you can click it. If you just want prayer support, click on that. We'll pray for you. If you want to talk to a minister, you can do it. Notice there's a crisis line. Please put that in your phone. Not just for you, because you may not need it. But you may come across a person who's on the side of the road who feels left and abandoned that may speak to a need to speak to a minister. We have a minister on call at Living Hope 24-7. Give them that number. There's always someone who can share hope. It begins with empathy, but then it requires time. The sacrifice of 
time. So you got this, you got this priest and this Levite. Now what's the difference? A priest is someone who came through the Arianic descent. And so they're descendants of Aaron, who uh, was a brother-in-law of, of, of Moses. And they had the responsibility of providing the sacrifices. Then you had the Levites. Now they were a tribe that was never given property in Israel. And their responsibility was to remind the people of God of the goodness of God. And so what you've got here are two religious professionals. If anyone should have cared for their fellow Jew, it would have been a priest or a Levite, but they didn't. What does the scripture say? It says they went on the other side. Now the question is why? Well, for one, some commentators said, well, the reason why they did it is because they might've thought he was dead. And if you touched a dead body, well, now it's gonna take hours for you, for that priest or that Levite to become ceremonial clean in order to be able to provide other ministry. So that would have taken a lot of time. Or maybe, maybe they were scared that there were others that maybe were gonna attack them. And that would have taken a whole lot of time to take a beat down and have to fight that fight. Or maybe it was that, you know, they had other responsibilities. They were just trying to hurry along because they, they were important people and they had important places to be. They just didn't give time. Friends, how many of us are not giving time? Real time. Time to get to know people. Time for people to get to know us. Time to hear their story and to share our story. Time to really have time to empathize and care. God is calling us to make this sacrifice. And it's a tough one, but we can do it. I know one of the greatest excuses we all give, you know, we're busy. You know, I've got a new hero. I read a couple of his books last year. I highly recommend them to you, not for the theology necessary as the practicality. His name is Bob Goff, G-O-F-F. And uh, one book's called Love Does, and the other one is Everybody Everywhere. Now this guy's an attorney. He represents a country to our country. He runs an educational system in another country. He is a, a, a best-selling author, speaker. And yet at the back of his book, all right, in the back of his million copies sold book, it says this. Bob's passion is people. He'd love to hear from you. If you want to, here's his email. Also follow him on Twitter. Here's his cell phone number if you want to give him a call. And people call him and he answers. And he talks to them. Guys, he's busy. He's got stuff. And, and, and uh, so many stories in, in his books that I would recommend you, but look what he says in, in one of his books. He says, I get dozens of calls these days from jails all over the country, and I never refuse them. I, I think the prisoners are passing Love Does book from cell to cell. Look at this. Each time I take a, a call, I get a charge on my phone for $9.95. 10 bucks a call. You talk about sacrifice. But look what he says. I don't take the calls because I'm looking for new friends. I do it because Jesus said we were supposed to, and I came to play, not to watch. How many of us Christians think that Christianity is just something we come and watch in a pew? It's something we just kind of watch, pray for. Friends, can I just give you a heads up? Christianity is a contact sport. You're gonna take some hits. And, and you got to keep on sticking your nose in there. I love this. I, I follow him on social media as well. He posted this two weeks ago. He said, best call just now from one of the students in our class at San Quentin Prison. Bob, this is the last call I'll be making to you from here. I'm packing right now and get released in 22 hours. Isn't that awesome? 
Now, why would that guy call? Because he knows Bob cares that he's getting released. He cares. He's going to laugh. He's going to celebrate. He's going to praise God. Who do you know that needs to be released from sin? Who do you know that needs to be released from shame and guilt and a past that they don't want anyone to ever hear about? Who do you know that needs the freedom of Jesus? Do you give them the time of day? Or is that just too much for you? I mean, is it, I get it. It's hard to get real with people. Because see, if you get involved, you're involved. And it's never clean, it's messy. People are messy. I know you look around this room, look at the around this room, look how good everybody looks. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I know most of you, it's a mess. Your pastor is a mess. We're all human beings, but you know what? We have real hope for real people in the real world. And what we know is that hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And he has called us to share our real story and to empathize with those who are hurting just like us and to, and to give time. And with that time, the, the greatest thing that you can ever give someone else, love. Now you gotta know in verse 33, when Jesus said, but a Samaritan, there may have been people that went, oh, and maybe people went, boo. Samaritans were the sworn enemies of the Jews. And so it's just hilarious that Jesus is making them hear this story and making the hero of the story their enemy. And I can imagine the look on this lawyer's face when he said, but a Samaritan. And he tells the great story and all the sacrifice. And then Jesus just nails him. So look what in verse 36. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Verse 37, he can't even name him. He can't say Samaritan. Look what he says, verse 37. The one who showed mercy. Can't even bring up the guy. Can't even say Samaritan. There's just so much hate in his heart. So much racism in his heart. Can't deal with reality. He's got to pretend he's got it together. Oh, just that one. And then Jesus nails him again. Okay, good. You go do what he did. Go and do likewise. I like the Greek here. It literally means you go and keep doing it likewise. Don't just do it once, make this a way of life. Here's why we can do that who believe in Jesus Christ, is because we have received Jesus. Because Jesus is alive in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus has washed away our sins, because we are covered in Jesus. We can do what Jesus has done. We can do what Jesus is. And what has Jesus done for us? Well, it says in Romans chapter five, beginning in verse 10, for if while we were uh, enemies, we were reconciled to God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. How is that reconciliation possible? Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 says it real simple. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Because Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice himself, we now have salvation eternal. Because he was willing to empathize with us, become one of us. 
because he was willing to enter time and space. He entered our world and became one of us and because he loved us so much that he gave his life to pay the penalty for our sin. Now we have been freed from the punishment, from the shame of sin. Now we have his life. And guess what he's called us to do? To share this life that is real hope for real people in the real world. Let me challenge you to do something. Take a pen and get out your bulletin and draw a circle. Not a huge circle, but you know, just a circle. And then around that circle, do three other circles around it. In that first circle that you, that you drew, put your name in the middle of it. Just write your name. And then from the circle that has your name, connect a line to those three circles that are around you. Now I want you to think for just a moment. Who is a neighbor? Who's someone you know who needs real hope for real people in the real world? Write their name there. And get crazy, just get crazy nuts, all right? Now take those names that you just wrote your neighbors and write, draw three circles around those names. It should look something like this. Your name, I know mine's color coordinated. Blue are the redeemed, red are those who need Jesus. Think about your life and who you could impact and then think about their life and who they could impact. And think about whose life this looks like. Who do you know who called to discipleship these three guys who were real close to him, who also, and then he called these other nine guys. Who do you know who made disciples of 12 guys who turned around and changed the whole world? Clue starts with J, ends with S. This is what Jesus did. He made disciples. He didn't just go around acting like he had life together. He didn't just go around talking about religious theories. Jesus made disciples. And what's the last thing he said to us? Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Can I tell you, that's gonna take a lot of empathy. It's gonna take a lot of time. It's gonna take a lot of love. So at the, at the end of the day, you and I live in a world where we get to choose what we do with our time. Now, some of you, you can't make a disciple and here's why. You're not a disciple, not of Jesus. And until you give your life to him, you'll never have real hope. And this morning, I wanna invite you to come and receive real hope. Some of you, as soon as I said, write the name of someone who needs real hope, you knew immediately, come pray for them. Some of you are that person on the side of the road, you're struggling, you're hurting. Ask God to heal you and help you. Let people know you need help. Don't keep it a secret and come pray for revival. Let's pray together as we stand. Father, we love you and we thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you have not abandoned us. We thank you that you empathize and you understand us because you became one of us. We thank you that you entered time and space. You entered into our time and you gave us your time and you've loved us to the point of great sacrifice.
And now you're calling us to be like you. First of all, to be your disciple, to repent and believe in the gospel, to be given a new heart and a new life. And Lord, with that life, you call us to, to impact our neighbors with the hope of Jesus. Would you hear us this morning as we, as we bring the names of those that we believe need your hope? Would you please save them and use us to bring the message of good news to them? For those today who need to come, they need healing, they need strength, they need, they need a miracle in their marriage or their family or in, in, a, in a friend's marriage or a friend's life. There's, there's, some, there's a sickness, Lord. Hear us, Lord, as we come and pray and to pray for this awakening that's in our bulletin. Lord, please do this for your glory. Come and pray as we sing.